Hallelujah. So excited to be here today. One of the great things we're going to do is, and I know many of you here for this this morning, is we get to baptize a bunch of people. Amen. How many of you just raise your hands if you're going to be baptized this morning? They may already be in the, they, some of them are out getting ready, but there were just a lot of cards. I don't know how many came this morning, but if everybody that was on a card showed up, we're going to have a lot of fun. Amen. And, I, and I'm excited about baptizing people. You know, when somebody gives uh, their heart to Jesus, a public confession is a good thing. And so baptism is a public confession of that. We get a chance to do that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 26. Again, I'm excited. I can't wait to baptize people. So if you wonder what this is about, we're going to do a shorter message. And, and that way, you know, I got to make up for last week. I went over. Amen. So this week I got to go shorter. How many of you are glad about shorter? Come on, y'all act like that. Look, I stayed up Thursday night all night to watch Buffalo play football. You understand what I'm saying? And today is the first day of NFL football. How many are excited about NFL football? Yeah. Who are we cheering for back there? I saw, so you know what I saw was really great. Did you see this? It was online. There was a, this week's playoffs, and it had every team in there. And on the bottom, it said, it, it said Dallas was exempted from playoffs. They couldn't be in the playoffs. Did y'all see that? How many of y'all rooting for Dallas? Raise your hands. I'm praying for you. I'm asking God to help you. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, I pray. (laughs) I got news for you. I'm going to tell you right now, Buffalo's in the playoffs, and I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. Nobody shouting for Buffalo? Amen. Amen. Are you in your Bibles? Are you ready? Amen. I want to read this to you. I think it'd be great. Here's what it says. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. I'm in the wrong place. That's not where I want you to be. Let's go to another. I'm going to preach a different message for this service. What God put in my heart, I believe, is for this one. Just go with me. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. My bad. Ephesians. I was thinking about football. (laughs) Anybody doing a barbecue this afternoon? Can I come to your house? Amen. I like mine medium, please medium amen you know what happened to me this week i'm gonna tell you what happened to me this is really cool i don't know why i'm telling you, but I just feel good about it i uh i got this neighbor all right I'll, I'll tell you the whole story so we moved in this house and this guy has i don't think he's ever liked us i really don't i don't think he's ever liked amy and i we moved in he lives right next door to us and and it's, it's always been one of those controversial things where just anything upset him about us you know what i'm trying to say does anybody have anything? Don't tell, but I'll tell my story. So anyway, anyway, I, you know, it got, we, we got two dogs. We got three cats, a whole bunch of ducks. We started with a few ducks. Now we have a whole bunch of ducks. Then we have three rab- two rabbits now. One of them ran away. And, and uh, uh, three chickens. We had four. One got ate by a hawk. Okay, so this is where we are as a family. But, I mean, this is our life. And, and when I first started having these dogs and stuff, I went out and got me an electric fence. You know, one of those electric fences that you put around, put the collars on your deck and on your, on your dog's neck. And so it worked pretty good, except it was, it, the, the fence said it would bury itself. By that it meant, when you read the instructions, that the grass would grow over. If you laid it on the ground, put stakes on it, it would sit on the ground, and grass would grow over the wire. And it did that in most places. Almost everywhere, the grass grew over the wire. You didn't even know the fence was there. But as I'm, as I'm doing this, uh, there's a section of my lawn that runs along this neighbor's yard. And every week, he would cut the fence. 
Every week he would mow the fence. Every week he'd go out there and mow, and he'd go into my yard, mow over the fence, chop it up, and act like nothing had happened. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all got anybody? Anybody got a neighbor like that? And I'm loving this guy while he's mowing my fence. So, so, so I, I, I just should have taken the time to bury the fence, but I was kind of, I just would fix the fence, put new fence on it, tie new fence to it, do whatever I had to to fix the fence. Then finally it got so irritating to me, I decided I'm going to put up a fence, a, a, a wooden fence. So I put up a wooden fence around my house with wire, and the wire would go from the top of the fence all the way down to the ground, all the way to the bottom of the ground, and that way I could let all my animals out, cats, dogs, chickens, rabbits, and everybody just run the yard, but it wouldn't go into his yard. Every once in a while, they would escape and go into his yard. And he'd come to my fence. Stay, stay, stay. Can we talk? Y'all got it? Anybody got neighbors like this? Yes. And I'm thinking, Amy would be like, oh, he wants, so-and-so wants to talk to you. I'd be like, oh, oh. So I'd go walk out to the fence and he'd chew me out. Your dogs went in my bushes. And this kind of thing. So one day he calls me out there and he just gets irate. He's yelling, screaming, cussing at me, uh, you know. And I got mad. I got to be honest. Y'all know me. I most of the time stay pretty calm. <laughs> but I didn't. I lit up on this guy. And I went off on him. And then I went in the house and repented. Lord, I'm so sorry I acted like that. Lord, forgive me. But I, I decided to pray. I thought, God, this ain't going to work. So I started praying. I said, God you got to fix this between me and him. Lord, you got to work this out. I don't think he's a believer. I'm pretty sure he's not. But I know I am, and I know God, and I know I can pray. The fervent affection prayers of righteous men and women avail much. So I began to pray about it. Lord, it's going to work. You're going to work this thing out. Lord, I thank you that it's going to be blah, blah, blah. I pulled up into my driveway Friday, and there was a Penske truck in the driveway, and he moved out. Gone. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say thank Jesus. I'm so excited he's gone. <laughs> I mean, God works it out. How many know? I may have had to wait a little while because we've been there like 13 years dealing with this. But on Friday, Jesus came through, man. <laughs> See, if he was a Christian, we could have prayed together and come to an agreement. But he wasn't, so the Lord just moved him out. See, maybe y'all ain't got neighbors like me, but sometimes we just need God to move some stuff out. I know, I, listen, y'all, y'all laugh. listen, God is not special to me. I don't have a special God. I got the same one you do. I don't have a special Holy Spirit. I got the same Holy Spirit you got. I'm not special Steve McCart. I'm Steve McCart. And the same God that works around my neighborhood and works around my kids and works around my family will work in your family. I've been exposed to you. I always come out to you and I always show you what's wrong. And I've never, you know, I've tried not to live ever that, it, that we, you didn't know what was going on, which my kids hate. They hate it because they tell everything. But, you know, I mean, you knew, you know when things are going around around the McCart house. Come on, y'all know you're like, well, we've got to pray for Pastor. He's in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, God's worked all that stuff out. I mean, in two weeks, I've watched God transform my house transform my kids, transform every situation, turn everything around. I tell you, you just, what God has done and what God will do, he said he'll do exceedingly. Okay, I'm going to get a little bit of shouting out of this this morning. Because see, if I don't somehow get through to you, if you can't leave this room better than you came, then we didn't come for the right purpose. 
You've got to be different. You've got to know that you trust a God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask or think. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what neighbors you got. I don't know what your children are doing. And it doesn't matter. What matters is I can trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't have to lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I can acknowledge Him. And my God will. Somebody say, God will direct your path. I want you to say this out I serve an almighty God. I want you to say this. My God will meet all my needs. Come on, say that again. My God will meet all my needs. Come on, I serve a God that will bring me out, bring me up, turn me around, bring me forward. Come on, somebody. Next week's better than this week. Tonight's better than yesterday. I'm just telling you, every minute, God's got great things, great and mighty things in in store for us. Somebody say it out loud. God's got great things in store for me. I'm going to wait a minute because some of y'all need to get that down on the inside. Some of you got to get it on the inside. I never knew I could lose 53 pounds and not even try. I never knew. Man, I'm looking good. Look at me on that camera. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Something's missing back there. I need some help on that side. I need the exchange. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> ah I don't even think there's a weightlifting program for that. Somebody say amen. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he, it says this. This is interesting. Ephesians 4 says it this way. It says, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. According to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, he makes increase in the body under the edifying of itself. You know, it matters, and I say this occasionally, and I say it, I'm hoping to really get it into you, that, that what we hear, what we hear, builds faith in us. Faith, the Bible says it this way, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. And a sacrifice away from what the Word says and what we know will be a sacrifice in the receiving in our life. It matters, it matters what you hear. It matters. It matters, you know, and, I, and, I, and, and let me say it this way. I mean, obviously, we, most of us as churches are doctrinally correct on how we believe on salvation, that Jesus is the way. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and, and you'll be saved. I and mean, we follow the same paths along those things. But there are things that are in the Bible that are benefits to us. The Bible says, He daily loadeth us up with benefits. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to add benefits. Now, I'm going to come down and look you in your face if you don't look somebody else in their face. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But there are benefits. Real benefits to serving God. Benefits. Let me give you a benefit. When I was growing up, I, the, I don't know how they teach today. I'm not exactly sure. But a lot of the denominational churches uh, would not teach on healing and didn't believe healing existed for today. 
They believed that healing was something that happened during the day of the apostles and the disciples at that time. And that healing was there for the benefit of the church at that time, but it doesn't belong to us today. And so they didn't teach healing in their churches. And so what would happen is people go to the hospital and it was always whatever the will of God. Lord, whatever your will is, whatever your will is. They didn't understand that was a consecration prayer that Jesus made that we have to make consecration. It's not, but that, that, that the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. They didn't even understand that. And so a benefit that belongs to the church was missing in those churches because it wasn't taught. They didn't teach on healing. They didn't teach on the blood of Christ. They didn't teach on the body uh, in relation to healing. They didn't, they didn't, I mean, we have a healing school on Thursday afternoon that you can come to that just teaches about healing and the subject of healing and how much the Word says about healing. And, 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 and here's the thing, faith comes by hearing. If you don't hear about healing, then there's no way for you to receive it. Isn't that true? I mean, you've got to hear it to have the faith for it. And certainly there are divine miracles of God. I don't have any, uh, I don't put any uh, uh, strain on that as if we have any control over the divine miracles of God. But, but without that, you have to have faith to receive it. Your faith. You get the healing. You're the one that receives healing. You're, it's available to you. They didn't teach on prosperity. As a matter of fact, I, I would teach on prosperity early on in this ministry. And I, I remember one time I preached on prosperity. Talking about God wants you to have uh, whatever he wants you to have. I was speaking in terms of millions and billions. And that, that those are not numbers God has objected to. How I many you know God can give you whatever he wants to give you? I didn't get no shouting there. I mean, there's no limit with God. All things, you can say whatever you want to, but the Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. I didn't say that. That's not my words. I'm not the one who said that. He said it. And a guy jumped out in the middle of service, cursed me in the middle of service, ran out the building, yelled at me about what I said, blah, blah, blah. I had a guy this week. Come online and, and just destroy our church and come after us. Because they, he said, we taught that, that, you know, see, that he was completely wrong, completely disastrous in the way he approached it. How we talked about giving and all that stuff. And, 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 and I mean, I mean uh, here's what the Bible says. I became poor that through my poverty, now I didn't write this. I didn't write, I didn't write it. He said, I became poor that through my poverty you could be rich. I don't know what that means, but it means that you got more than enough. I can tell you that. I can promise you that God wants you to have more. I want you to say this out loud. More than enough. And for everybody that's different. But it's still more than enough. I can tell you now, my more than enough might be more than your more than enough. And my faith on more than enough might be more than your faith on more than enough. But I know God wants me to have more than enough. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? If you're sitting on the I've got enough, God wants you to have more than enough. You know, if you don't teach that, if you don't teach that, if you don't, if you don't put that in your message, if you don't and give people the ability to understand how to get that, that you've strangled their finances, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. If you don't hear that, if they don't teach that, then you're not going to have that. 
I mean, we could go on the Holy Spirit baptism. If you don't teach that, they're not going to hear it. If they don't hear it, they're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you teach that being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues is of the devil, that's what they're going to believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may not know anything about the Holy Spirit. I always get, here's what always bothers me. You know what bothers me? People who didn't get filled don't understand it, try to teach people what it is. They have no idea what they're talking about. Nobody's shouting me down, but listen to me. Let, me. let me tell you something. I know ice cream. I knew it 52 pounds ago. My refrigerator had plenty of it in it. I know about vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream. I know about, uh, I, I mean, I know about Baskin Robin. Dairy Queen. I know about it. I know it can be smooth and creamy. I know it can be fluffy and good. I know it can be hard. I know it can be icy or, you know what I'm talking about? You ever had ice cream that thawed out and then froze back again and it had ice in it? It ain't as good as when it's fresh and smooth and creamy. Now, if you ain't had ice cream, how could you tell me about what I know about? Because I know it can be chocolate or it could be really chocolate or it could be a little bit of chocolate. Or it could have some peanut butter in the chocolate. Come on, somebody. See, I'm preaching good. People know exactly what I'm talking about right now. See, folks, some of you folks, I can tell you all know about ice cream too. Somebody say amen. How can you tell me what you don't know? When you can talk to millions and millions of Christians who've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in another language. Listen, if you want to ask me about the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you about the, the power that's involved, the wisdom that's involved, the insight that comes, the, 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 the knowledge of the Lord that comes, the presence and relationship of God that's in the middle of that. You don't know what I'm talking about if you don't know that. But let me tell you, it's a benefit to the believer. There are benefits, many are, are great are the benefits that are available to us. And listen to me, you got to be somewhere where they teach what will build you and grow you up or you will be missing some things. And if the message is contaminated, it will contaminate you. It It will. If, if the preacher keeps talking about how God will allow the devil to come and attack you and tear you up and rip you down and that he's chained to God's hand and God releases him to destroy your life and wreck your car and destroy your washing machine. And he keeps telling you that the devil attacks you so that you'll know God better. You're in the wrong church. The Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. I have a right and a responsibility not to allow the devil to have any place. Don't give any room to the devil. I don't have room to... I, listen, if my washing machine breaks, it's because somebody built it bad. Or I misused it. And either I got to fix it or I got to get a new one. So I can believe God for the wisdom to fix it or I can believe God for the money to buy a new one. And sometimes God will let the thing last longer till you buy a new one. Nobody's shouting. But I don't run around and say, the Lord, the devil tore up my dishwasher. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just, if the devil's in my house and can tear up my dishwasher, I got the wrong kind of house. 
listen, stop going to that kind of thinking. Stop thinking that cancer came from God. The thief. Oh, I'm preaching real good now. I don't know why I have to go over here, but some of y'all need to hear what I got to say. You know, I got in here, I got a whole thing lined up. But here's what I got lined up for you this morning. The thief. The th- you need to hear this. It'll, it'll help you. The thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy. I, the devil's the one who comes to steal from your life, who comes to kill things in your life, who comes to steal your dreams, destroy your children, mess up your house, ruin your marriage. That's the devil that came to do that. I'm to resist the devil. I'm to stand against the devil. I'm not joining up with the devil. God's not using the devil to make me better. What a ridiculous thing to think that God would use the devil to make you better. The devil wants to send you to hell. He came to fight God. He's the last enemy to be defeated. God's going to wipe the whole thing out. Listen, you want to know where the devil is? I'll tell you right now. Lift up your shoe. Look at the bottom of your shoe. Y'all ain't doing it. Y'all, come on now. Let's do a little exercise in here today. He's under your feet. Come on, somebody. The devil is under your feet. He's my enemy. I resist the devil. I fight him at every threshold. I say no at every time he comes in. I stand against everything from the enemy. Because Jesus came. Hallelujah. Why did Jesus come? That I might have life. And that more abundantly. I want you to shout out. God wants to give me a good life. I'm not getting enough. Y'all are not shouting that enough. Shout it like you know it. Shout it like you mean it. God wants to give me a good life. When you don't have the wisdom for it, God will give you the wisdom. He'll show you things to come. You know, when you wait on the Lord, God comes and reveals things to you. I just want to say this. You know, we need an answer in our home. A couple of them. Because I'm just telling you, I don't give the devil any place. He's got no room. No room. I saw my daughter come home the other day. No, no offense to nobody else, but I'm just saying, wherever you draw the line, that's the line. You come home and say, shut up. My wife is going to tear you up. I don't care what your conversation is, but don't you come in our house. No, 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 no. There's the line. My daughter went to school. And somehow in the gym, she was rubbing her pants against the thing at the gym and ripped them. So she had ripped jeans. Now, if you looked at Family Worship Center, you can't have ripped jeans up here. If you're in youth, you can't have ripped jeans on our platform. I'm not saying anything wrong with ripped jeans. <laughs> Nobody was looking at me like, hmm. We don't let you wear earrings. You can't get up there with an earring in your nose. No. No, I said, because where, where we're going to go is the problem. Because you go to the mall, they got holes on their behind. Oh, ain't nobody. Ain't no, 
my son ain't coming home with jeans down here. I got a big long shirt on so you can't see nothing. So we going to pull them up. As a matter of fact, they get mad at me. Stephen's always mad at me. He's like, Dad, you're making me pull them up too high. I'm like, go over your belly button. <laughs> not really. That's not really. I'm, I'm making fun of it. But my wife, I'm in there, and she's like throwing jeans in the trash can. And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, I think Emily was ripping her jeans. She drew a line. Y'all see what I'm trying to say? See, once we draw down, when they get out of my house, that line may change. But till they get out of my house, I'm not being super religious. I'm just telling you. We decided what the line was. We did that at the church. We've made sure to draw a line. Here's the line. Don't come here with no beer shirt on and play on our platform. Don't, don't wear marijuana on your shirt. <laughs> carnalness in the church didn't build it as a matter of fact when I look, when I look, at, when I look at real truth if I, if I want to be really truthful you remember years back they started doing this thing where seeker friendly churches do y'all remember the seeker friendly they put the Holy Spirit in the back room you couldn't pray in tongues they, they decided everybody was going to you, you know, it was almost like serving sin in the church and people were living in sin and they were having beer kegger communions and you know this kind of thing y'all look like I'm looking at me funny but they were having Bible studies with keggers the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and living holy was the only way they built the church and everything we've done to become seeker-friendly has done nothing to build the church. But if you took the last 20 years, the church shrunk when we tried to be like the world. The difference between the church and the world is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says, when we're holy. He comes when we're holy. In other words, we have to draw lines. Here's what I'm saying to you. Instead of inviting every mess in, we ought to go where the mess ain't. I'm preaching real good now because some of you have indoctrinated yourself with funny stuff. And because you did, your faith has been contaminated by the mess. You need to stay in a place. I'm going to call this a good place. This is a good church, man. This is a good pastor who lives for God, who loves his wife. You see me, you usually see her. I'm not afraid to be in the store with my wife. I'm not afraid to go to, I mean, we don't, we don't hang out occasionally. We hang out all the time. I mean, I, I, if I was going to look for a pastor, I want one that loved his wife. And especially one that don't love somebody else's wife. I'm just telling the truth. Faith comes by hearing. We are fitly joined together. The Bible says that when the disciples were put in prison that they were released from prison, and then they went to their own company. They went to their own company. They went to their own company. There's a place that God has fit us that will fit us better than another place. There's a, a, a position in the Word that's better for us than other things. And we need to stay connected to where the challenge comes for us to be more like Jesus and not just wear a bracelet.
I'm preaching real good now. Because the church thought all you had to do was wear a bracelet and you were saved. No, there is a consecrated life that God wants us to live. God wants you and I. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God wants me to be consecrated. We're on the subject of following God or following as a whole. Last week I preached about following God to your plan, your purpose, and His plan in your life. It was a fantastic message if you go back and listen to it, it be good for you. But we are to follow Him in consecration. There has to be a dedication. We're not just living any old how and accepting it. We have to live for the Lord. That's why it goes on to say this. In, in Acts 4.23 it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief and priests and elders had said unto them. Ephesians 5.15-21 says this, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine where is in excess. I, I'm not here to argue uh, the, 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 the dynamics of a drinker in church. I'm not here to tell you that, that, that anybody that has a drink, you know, when I was growing up, if you drank, you were going to hell. That's how I was growing up. I'm not, I'm not here to argue that. That's not my point. That's not, I don't even think that's the point of this scripture. I'm going to tell you what the point of the scripture is. You ready? Choose the Spirit. That's the real choice. It isn't if I can. If I've got to argue the point, if I can... Well, there's nothing wrong with me if. Then I've made the wrong decision. God doesn't want us to live in the if. He wants us to live in the now. God is a God of faith. He said, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be, be, that's a contrasting word, but be being filled with the Spirit. Folks, I have people that have just gotten saved. So let me say this to you. If you're new in the church and you've just come out of whatever, whatever. People have chased things that are they want the church to be emotional but we are not emotional christians are not emotional you hear me now listen to me listen to me believers listen listen big listen good and so they want it to feel a certain way but it's never been about feelings and it never will be about feelings never they want it to look a certain way now, we've done good. We're, we're pretty modern. We've put up the lighting shows and done all the things, got good music and all that stuff. So we've got that, but it was never about that. That enhances everything. It's certainly an enhancement to a service, but it was never about that. It was never about when you just get saved or when you're serving the Lord, you came out of the club. Y'all looking at me like, I know none of y'all ever went to clubs. Y'all so holy. Oh. When you was smoking dope. Oh. oh. I'm, I'm preaching truth because this is where we all live. You're in this world. You live in this world. Before you got saved, all you had was spirit, soul, and body. And the only thing you listened to was soul and body. That's it. Satisfaction came from what you could get. What you could do. Who you could be with. What you could drive. I'm just saying it was external. Right? Then you come to church. You got saved. 
you received the Lord and a week goes by and you told your wife, we're not going to the club. We're going to serve the Lord. And then all of a sudden your flesh says, I want to go to the club. You just passed your dealer. Preaching real good now. And all of a sudden you're out of church where you need to be. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. You cannot grow your spirit man unless it hears spirit word. I'm preaching real good. So now, a couple weeks have gone by, and you're like, we ain't having no fun. We ain't got nobody to hang out with. We need to go to club. That's, this is what really, really happens. Because all of a sudden, your flesh is bored. And your mind is bored because you didn't renew it. The Bible says you have to renew your mind. It has to be made new. You didn't make it new. So it's still saying, let's go to club. I'm talking about being fitly joined together. I'm talking about consecrated life. If I want God to bless me fully, I have to live a consecrated life. Here's the problem. We are not a flesh and we are not a soul. The mind has to be renewed and the flesh, the Bible says, has to be crucified. If you don't crucify your flesh and you don't renew your mind, then it still wants to go to the club. And that's why you're saying, well, you know, I, I mean, we really love church. And, you know, I haven't, no, I, we haven't been there in a couple weeks. Uh, and then my husband came to me the other day and said, I want to go to the club. <laughs> you have to get in, in the things of God. You change your music. You change the folks you hang around. If everybody you hang around is an alcoholic... Instead of letting them drag you back to the beer joint, you need to drag them to your church. Listen, I don't know if I could preach any better than I'm preaching right now. It's the newness that happens in the heart. I mean, if you're struggling with your Christianity, you're struggling with it, and, and, and you're having problems with this body that wants to do the things it used to do, go the places it used to go, meet people it used to meet. You know you have familiar spirits. There are people out there that, are, that fit your spiritual realm. They'll show up at the grocery store. They'll be at the, at the, at the fruit counter. Hey, baby. I'm telling the truth. And if you haven't renewed your mind, you won't have the spirit to pick up. Aha! Uh-huh. Right. I know that spirit. Amen. Amen. That's right. And then your spirit will act up. You'd be like, I want to go out on a date with them. <laughs> I'm preaching real, real good. You wonder why you're struggling? You wonder why? You have to read the Bible. You have to pray. You have to pray in the Holy Ghost. You have to get in the Word of God. You've got to watch Christian television because you have to renew your mind and crucify your flesh. The only struggle you have is when the flesh is too large and the mind is too big. You don't really know Him. Paul said, I want to know Him. And I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. There's a deeper place with God. I don't know how it turned out that you could walk right out of this life and into another one, but we know one man just walked right into heaven. 
What was that like? I mean, isn't that really what we want? Isn't the passion we want for God? Not just, hey baby, we got to go to church Sunday morning at 10.30 for the hour so we can get that done for the week. This is not, this is, this is more than just a Sunday morning. This is a moment for us to grow. It's a moment for me to become more like God. It's a moment for me to lay aside something. It's a moment for me to stretch my faith. It's a moment to worship with others. It's a moment for presence. Folks, we're going to need the presence more than we've ever needed the presence in our lives. I don't know what the future looks like, but I know this. It's not going to get better. There is nothing wrong with being completely sold out for God. Completely committed. I've lost nothing in this world. And I've gained everything in Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen again. Don't be drunk. He said, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Committed and following his plan. When Jesus was on the earth, we know that before he went to the cross, he asked the Lord, take this cup from me. Why did he ask that? Because of the weight of what he was about to go through. Folks, I want you to know something. I was flipping through the internet just yesterday as I was flipping a doctor's rendition or a medical science rendition of the crucifix came up. Most of you in this room have seen Passion of the Christ, but... It was a real reflection of what the crucifixion was actually like. When they put the, thorn, the crown of thorns on his head, the blood ran down his head. The beating on his head, the, the, the wounding on his head was excruciating. We can't even imagine it. This is an unimaginable situation, just what was going on. When they put him on the, on the cross and they whipped him, when they whipped him. I mean, when they whipped him before the cross, when they whipped him. Uh, according to theologians and according to historians, the Romans would put metal balls inside of the straps. And almost always, when the person was whipped, they would die from the whipping. And the reason they would die from the whipping is because when the whipping would, would, would stretch across the human body, it would rip the skin off. And the, and the expectation with Jesus was is that you could actually see the, 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 the organs of his body from the whipping. I can't even imagine what that was like for your entire body and your back to, to just be exposed. Lungs could be seen. Liver, kidney, pieces of your body, backbone sticking out of your body. They expected him to die from that, but we know God had planned this out. He carried that cross like that. carried the cross, was put on the cross like that. When they put the nails in his hands, the the Romans would know that they were breaking arteries, tendons, and not arteries, but tendons and bone structures and things. In other words, the pain from holding yourself up from these things was so excruciating, it was almost impossible for a human body to be held by the hands and feet because of the wounds from the nails. We see it in a very very, uh, uh, Niagara sort of looking way where it's just beautiful and Jesus is hung on the cross. And Jesus suffered pain we can't imagine. Until finally they took the sword and stabbed him in his side. 
Because that was the way, according to the Bible, he would die. And when he went to the cross, he went that way for you and me. In that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ died for me that way. And he knew that he would be taking, worst of all, was all the sins of all mankind on him. I don't know if any of us can actually imagine that God Himself would take all the sins from the past, all the sins that were present, and everybody who would come to Him in the future. At that moment. Oh my goodness. You took the physical abuse. You took the, all that. Then you took this spiritual disconnection. Because sin separates us from God. Can you imagine that he'd never been separated like this before? Never again. But in that moment, sin had stood between him and Father God. By choice. The Lamb. Slain from the foundations of the world. This is why I'm talking to you about consecration. Because many of us today don't understand that for us to have the plan of God in our life, It's not a casual experience. God expects us to take on the kind of desires that He had. He expects us to love Him in the way that He loved us. No, He's not asking you to bear those on your back. He's not asking you to wear a crown on your head. He's not asking you to hang on a cross. He did that for you. But can you, can you follow Him? Can you give up? Can you be not drunk with wine where is in excess? Can you come to the house of God? He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Can you decide? I mean, seriously, can you decide that the God who did that for you is worthy of your hour and a half? Of your week? Is He worthy of a few nails? That you might put somewhere. Is he worthy of some plumbing you could do? Is he worthy of some money that you would give? Is he worthy of the kind of love? Do you really give him? Are you really loving him that way? Or is it just occasional? Has church become a Sunday morning ritual that misses the importance of a Jesus who gave it all for you? It's no longer what can I give him, it's what can the church give me. I guess I need to just let that settle for a minute. Christ's prayer, and these verses are examples of Jesus' demonstration as he consecrated himself to the Father's will. What was Jesus talking about when he prayed in the garden? If it was possible for this to pass, God was looking for not only him, but for you as believers to dedicate yourself and consecrate yourself wholly to him to carry out his plan. God wants you to carry out his plan. When we look at Gethsemane through through his earthly ministry, the Lord's eyes are roaming throughout the earth to find people whose hearts are dedicated to him. Is that you? Is your heart really dedicated to Him? Are you really serious? Have you really come to the place where you get up in the morning and pray? Do you pray over all your meals? Do you you go to bed before you go to bed and pray and seek the Lord for a minute? 
Are you concerned that your behavior doesn't line up with the Word of God? Or would you, some of you just don't even want to know what the Word said. You just want to do what you want to do. You want to act like you want to act. You want to see who you want to see. You want to be what you want to be. And then act like God didn't say anything about it. Yes, He did. And it is your job to find out what He said and to act in line with His Word on what He said. I should get more clapping about it. Come on. Preach it, Pastor Steve. Jesus didn't pray this one time. He prayed it virtually his, his whole life. Three times we know of are listed in the Bible. You see, the prayer of consecration is not a one-time prayer. It's a prayer that's constant. The prayer of consecration is a prayer you pray throughout your life. What do you want me to do, God? What do you want in my life, God? What plans do you have for me, God? What do you want me to get away from, God? Who do you want me to say yes to, Lord? Who do you want me to say no to, Lord? God has plans for us to follow. You'll be able to follow God's plan for your life if you constantly maintain an attitude of consecration and surrender to the Lord's will, and whatever it may be. Continuing to consecrate yourself and committed yourself is your responsibility. It seems that many believers today are unwilling to do these things and lay things down at the altar. Not all, but some. God's plan for their lives is hindered in many and many ways because uh, of the blessings that are withheld because they haven't totally consecrated themselves to God's will instead of their own will. How many know God's plan is the right plan? We need to teach about consecration to people's hearts and, and let them be stirred to surrender everything to God and consecrate themselves wholly to follow God's plans for their lives. That's my job. My job is to, be, is to do what I told you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Lord, flood this house with a presence so strong that it terminates the things that we're bound by. Lord, flood this house with your presence. It's the anointing. I know this. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. God wants to make you better. Spiritually, He wants to change you. And when He does spiritually, it will change you physically. Consider your own consecration to the Lord. Consider whether or not you're able to say from your heart, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll stay wherever you want me to stay. No matter where you lead me, I'll, do, I'll carry the good news of Jesus to others. You need to be willing to do anything God wants you to do. You need to commit yourself to obey God and to do His will every day for the rest of your life. Be willing to do whatever. Say never, say never. I've noticed how God's asked me to do things that I never thought I would do. And he, he's, he's, uh, it's just amazing what God's brought out of my life by doing this. Being committed as a follower to God's plan and not your own plan. You see, this morning I want to say these are the things that I've said. Number one is God wants us to live holy. He wants us to set lines and boundaries and hold those boundaries. He wants us to hear faith in our lives. He wants you to know that He's a good God all the time. And all the time, He's good. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. He's good all the time. But let me say this. He wants you to live a consecrated life. He wants you to live and tear things out of your life. Let down or take out every weight and sin that does so easily beset you. 
I want to invite you. Listen, we have services two times a week. Sunday morning, we have, well, we have three, but you can come. I mean, Sunday morning is 9 and 10.30. We have prayer meetings every day for you to come to. You ought to come to. And then we have Wednesday night when I pray with the church. I'd like to see you make an effort to come Wednesday night or one of our prayer meetings. Especially, I'd love to see you Wednesday. It's my prayer meeting. And take that time to come pray with us because prayer makes a difference. How many times are we asking you to come? Well, there's an hour. We'll do an hour and a half this morning, 10.30 to 12. And we'll do an hour on Wednesday night. So we ask for two and a half hours of your entire week to come and spend time with Jesus. And you know what? That two and a half hours is empowerment. It's an impact. It'll make an impact in your life. You'll hear faith. It'll teach you how to grow. And God has a plan. And when we consecrate ourselves, He reveals it to us and we can fulfill it. We can fulfill God's plan. God wants you to fulfill His plan.